Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be doing Daf Mem Gimel in Maseches Yuma. Uh, for those of you art school aficionados, we're getting to the end of Volume 1 of Yuma. Wow, does it move. Uh, some housekeeping items from last time, which was Thursday, as it were. We talked about the Kalpi, right? This is Perikatarf Bakalpi. And we mentioned how uh, we spared money. We didn't want to ask Klaishal to spend extra money on the copy in making it gold. By the way, incidentally, I, I inadvertently said that the um, thing that said Sir Zazel and Sir Hashem were, I was struggling at the time. I said, was it Klaf? But of course, we had already learned that it was carved, first of all. We learned that. Uh, on Thursday, but we also learned that it had been wood and it was turned into gold. That was one of the things that the mishpachos were lauded and applauded for. So on Clyde uh, Fraser mode today, but it, that's one of the things that they were applauded for was the golden uh, golden pieces that said Seal Hashem, or I think it only said Lazazel Hashem. But the point is. Uh, you, uh, it was engraved. The coin Gadol would have been able to feel for it in theory, and that's why it says Tarf Bakalpi, hence the name of our parak, that they did it either by mixing it up or he did it in haste so as not to be able to, uh, pick one. It has to be done by lottery. This was the topic of Rabbi Pinchas Gross Schlita's, uh, Dafyomi Ion Shir that he gives on Sunday morning, the idea of the copy, the idea of the lottery, and whether the lottery itself was in Avoda or not. The fact that the copy itself was allowed to not be gold might be a data point to support the fact that the actual selection, the lottery portion, is not in Avoda. Because that, in fact, ends up being the kasha of the ritva, uh, the answer, I should I rather, of the ritva as to why we're being stingy specifically with the copy. It's because with the things that you do an actual Avoda with, you are not, that's not considered uh, that's not where you apply chasen or mamon Yisrael, right? Because we do have some competing ideas of where you have something that is an actual avoda. So zekeli van and you want to do a hider, and you want to be able to to put money in the base of the itself, obviously, and the big day coin gadol. These are all things that have gold, and so that those are things when you're they're part of the actual avoda that you do make out of gold. So the fact says the ritva that the kalpi is not uh, one of the items that we want to make out of gold, but rather, all of a sudden, suddenly we're saying, chasen amamon shel Yisrael, it is, implies a very lumdish issue of which part of this selection is the avoda. Is it the actual using of the lottery or the uh, subsequent placing of the actual designation on the sa'ir la Hashem and sa'ir la zazel? So that was the topic of Ion. Rabbi Gross had sent me... Uh, sent me the ritva because I asked him. We weren't sure uh, why this was, and that's, in fact, what the ritva says. It becomes relevant today, just so you don't think we didn't accomplish anything regarding today's daf, Andrew. It becomes relevant today also because you'll see there were, generally, during the year, uh, if we get to the Mishnah, hopefully we will, our goal is to finish to the end of the Mishnah on Mem Gimel Amid Beis, um, there was generally during the year in the incense, the Ketores Avoda, a, uh, a, a, a um, shovel that was made out of silver that was then shoveled into a shovel that was made out of gold. 
So the shovel that's shoveled into the shovel isn't the actual avoda. The shovel that's made out of gold is what you offer on the Mizbech as the Ketoras. And so there you see it sort of really laid out in front of you where one is made out of gold and the other one is not. And again, it's along the same lines where one is a facilitator uh, to the avoda. It does not have to be gold. But when one is the avoda itself, it is gold. Okay, so without further ado, we find ourselves on the top line of Mem Gimel and we were in the middle of a discussion. Amazingly enough, a discussion back about the Shreifas Paraduma. The Shreifas Paraduma is so intertwined um, with the Avodas uh, Yom Kippur of the Kohen Gadol, even though it has nothing to do with the Avodas Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur, uh, that it just keeps popping up. It's fascinating. There is a Masechus Para about the Paraduma. Um, and, but the Sar of Paraduma, and we'll be quoting that Masechus in the staff, but it's fascinating, right? We started the very Masechus Yuma about the quarantine that we have for the Kohen Gadol um, in preparation for Yom Kippur and as well as the Sorif Esapara for the Sreifas Para Aduma. So today's, um, today's daf begins in the middle of Ula making nine, I think, drushes and going through Pasuk by Pasuk uh, regarding the Psukim of the Sreifas Para Aduma. How do we land here, Andrew? Um, because we were talking about the red string. And the Gemara said there's three instances of where a red string is, is involved. One is the Metzora. One is the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, where we have the Sar, uh, right, the Sar HaMishtaleach, as well as the Sar Lashem, where they have the t- string tied around them. And the other one is the Sar Paraduma, where you take the, the, right, the Azov and the cedar tree and you tie them together or you, you bundle them together with the red string and throw them into the fire, as we learned over Shabbos and Sunday. So that is, uh, those are the all the times that and the ladies at the Kotel and at at uh, is all the instances of red strings in the Torah. Anyway, so that so that's the instance of red string that brought us once again talking about the Shreifas Apara. So instead of reading all the Psukim inside, uh, really the Gemara reads all the Psukim inside and takes it pasuk by pasuk and says, "What did Ula learn from each pasuk?" Ultimately, we'll see Abaya and Rava try to see is there any way to learn the Psukim, and they determine that Ula's reading is genius. They couldn't learn it any other way. So pay close attention to what this, uh, to what Ula is saying over here. This is, of course, the very beginning of Parshas Chukas, Bamidbar Yutes, uh, <coughs> uh, coincidence, we could call it almost. Um, what do the, what do the Psukim say? So basically, the, the, the Psukim talk about, at this point, Veshachat Ota, what does that Pasuk say? The Pasuk says, in Santem Ota El Elazar Kohen, so as we discussed, that's already Pasuk Gimel. You take the para, right? Uh, right? And you, and you take, and then it, it describes the Pasukim, the taking the para outside, as we discussed, the corner surface of para is like out there in the east on Harzesim. He takes it in the Chutz And then it says, the, the Gemara is going to discuss, what does it mean? First of all, Elazar Cohen. Which parts does Elazar Cohen have to do? So it sounds like he's the one taking the part out of the Chutzah But Veshachat Otalefanav is interesting. Lefnehu. Veshachat Otalefanav. Sounds like there's another dude. So who's doing the Shechita? And who's the Lefanav? So that's what, that's where we pick up. Veshachat Osaz says Ula. Shelo Yishchat Acheret Ima. Finally, we're reading in the Gemara here that he should do it by himself. What does it mean he should, shouldn't, or, or he should do only it? So, 
You have to look at the arts. Rashi doesn't say you have to look at the arts scroll quoting the Tosfos Yishonim. If you're not going to look at the Tosfos Yishonim, and it says you shouldn't chop a rind and use an extra long knife, and in addition to shechting the the para of the para duma, also while you're at it, shecht like another chicken or a behema or whatever, another thing. That's uh, I would not have thought to do that anyways. But anyway, you you can't do that. Okay, now we get to lefanov. So who's this guy? Says, so according to Rav, Larav, Mimena. It means, Lefanov doesn't mean that there's another person there. It means, Lefanov, like in front of his face, meaning focus. Focus when you do the Shechita. Going, sorry if it's a par, okay. And Lishmuel, she is Zar, Shochet, Velazar, Roet. And Shmuel brings up this, this, uh, massive idea. That a Zar is Shochet, the Paraduma. And Lefanov is referring to a Lazar himself. A Lazar coin is supervising this Shechita. Okay, that's that. Okay, now Pasuk Dalit says, moving on in the, in the Parsha of Strafe of the Paraduma, so Lazar Koin now, again, the Pasuk is point, um, right, is pointing out that it's a Lazar Koin, so bringing him up again, why would he bring him up again? So Lishmuel Lazar. So according to Shmuel, who says that what? That a, that the shechita procedure can be done by a czar and only, uh, a lazar is there only to observe it. So then it makes sense why Pasuk Dalad would say, that's in fact the lazar hakoin who does, the, who does the blood and the, and the, and the spritzing. However, according to Rav, right, you already said, that a Lazar should be the one that's doing lefanov just means that a Lazar coin should focus when he's doing the shechita. So why again says we have a concept, concept called miut achar miut, that you say a Lazar and you reduce it down to a Lazar. He's the only one that could do, meaning the coin gadol really, right? Only the coin gadol um, is able to do the coin uh, 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 the uh, shechita of the paraduma, which would be like another. Thing that ties the paraduma together with the avodas yom kippur that it can only be done by a kohen gadol. However, when it gets to spritzing the dam, it says the kohen gadol again. What is this? This is what we call the concept of, as the gemara says, ve'ain miut achar miut rabos. That when you have a miut to an exclusion followed by another lim- exclusion, another limitation, it actually becomes expansive. It's a little bit ironic. But what it does is, it says now, since you already said the coin gadol twice, you, what you must be doing is trying to expand it to what? Says the Gemara, da'filu coin hedyot. That not, that this aspect of sprinkling, okay, um, so the first miut of shechita, that would be limited to the coin gadol. But the second miut of sprinkling the dam is now going to be able to be done even by the coin hedyot, right? So it's still saying that it's a coin, but now it's going to be even a coin edger could do the sprinkling of the dumb. That's Pasuk 4. Uh, skipping on to Pasuk 6. Okay, so now you're taking the azov and the cedar wood and you're taking the shnitolas, you're taking, there's the red string. Now, there it says, interestingly, it says the kohen again. So, so now we have like the <laughs> the opposite uh, problem, <laughs> right? In other words, when you have the Shmuel, 
Uh, so Shmuel, again, if you're following, so the first time Shmuel said, Zar, Zar Shochet, right? Because he said, Lafan of men that the Kohen Gadol only has to, right, supervise. Okay, so, so then, right, when it said the Kohen the second time, it meant that it had to be a Kohen Gadol. Okay, but then when it said HaKohen the third time in Pasuk Vav, so then that's where you employ for, even for Shmuel now, the Ein Miyot HaChamiyot Elalarabos, and Shmuel's gonna say that that means that a Kohen Hedyot, just like Rav had said by the sprinkling, now Shmuel is going to say that by the tying together the Eretz, Eitz Eretz Ve'ezov, Shnitalas, that's going to be done by a coin Hedyo. That's the third coin uh, mentioned. However, the Rav, now Rav already, right, he already shot his, he already um, uh, took his Ein Miyot Miyot already. Uh, with the second mention of the coin Gadol, because he thought that the first Pasuk was also referring to the coin Gadol. So if you're following, doing the math with regards to Rav, so you had the coin Gadol mute, then the second mute was to teach you that it also applies to a coin head yoke. Now when you have a coin the third time, it's strich. Even according to Rav, right, um, it's still necessary to say coin. Why? So in other words, according to Rav, already a coin head yoke could do it. So, uh, according to Shmuel, it's bringing you down to a coin hedgehog, we understand. But why would Rav need it? We already got to the point of saying that even the sprinkling could be done for, for a car, by a coin hedgehog. So says the Gemara, You might have thought that, yeah, that a coin is necessary for all things that we would call avoda, which we typically associate with handling the animal, shechting it, certainly, zrika uh, sadam, okay. But this, this is just, uh, you know, like flower delivery boy. Like he's just taking the, the, the different trees and tying it with a red string. Why would you need a coin for that? That doesn't even look like an avoda. Kamash no, that it is in fact an avoda. It does in fact, uh, require a coin. And therefore what Ula is saying is that Rav is going to still need the, the first and second and third mention of the coin to teach you that even the third one has to be done by a coin head yot as well. Okay, so it's not um, it's not redundant for Rav. Okay, so getting on to Pasuk Zayin. It says, V'chibes begadov ha-kohen. Right, the Pasuk Zayin. V'chibes begadov ha-kohen v'rachatz p'sar s'mayin v'achayar v'alamachanei v'tamei ha-kohen ad-ayarv. Okay, so what do we have here? A fourth mention of Kohen, right? So it says, V'chihuno, that he has to write uh, launder his clothing, it means that he has to be when he's doing this avoda, right? He has he can't be wearing his dungarees. You can't do the avoda in your in your hoodie or whatever. You have to be wearing your full big day kahuna when performing every aspect of the paraduma. Uh, even if you thought that part of it was not an avoda, all of it has to be done with a with big day kahuna. That's why bechibes begadav hakohen. Okay, bechihuno. Okay. Again, a lot of these are drushas that, you know, Rabbi Gross got into, into this yesterday in the Shear, where, you know, he was saying a lot of drushas by the Kalpi. When you get to a certain point, it's hard to know. It has to be a Mitzorah for what these drushas are. You know, guys are saying, why is this the drusha? Why is that not the drusha? You could ask that, you know, in many places. Uh, there's Mitzorahs for these drushas. Okay. Then the Pasuk finally says, in, in Pasuk Zion finishes off by saying that the coin remains Tame until the evening. Here we say, that it means that it's also required, not just for the first paraduma that was mentioned with a Lazar coin, 
but also for Lasid Lava. For all the Daras, all the generations you're gonna to have to use, you're gonna to have to have a coin do the procedure of the Para Aduma. Okay, the Gemara says, Hani Right? So this goes back to the machlokas that we said on Bezim and Bez, right, whether a coin hedjet or a coin gadol has to do it Ladoros. We already had a machlokas about that. Can it be a coin hedjot or a coin gadol? So if you say coin hedjot, as we had just said, so then it makes sense that the Pasuk would be saying that whichever coin could do the straight para, you know, the para aduma ceremony, can do it Ladoros. But we have a sheet here that says that Ladoros, it has to be a coin gadol. Well, if that's the case, then this Pasuk isn't really relevant to, right, to the, the Pasukim before it. As the Gemara continues to say, in other words, according to the Manda Amar who says that you need to have a coin gadol for always, do, right, so to speak, uh, you would always, uh, when the base of is built, we're going to have to have a coin gadol do the paraduma uh, ceremony. So, so why would you have needed, this is going like sort of back retroactively, why would you have needed to say that you need an ordinary coin um, right? In other words, we had already said prior to this structure, we said that the coin gadol has to always be wearing uh, his big day kahuna whenever he's doing the procedure of the paraduma. So what the Gemara is saying here is that limud would be unnecessary according to the Manda Omar who says that the coin, only the coin gadol can do the procedure. Why? So the Ritva explains, um, the Ritva explains um, that it's too far of a, of a drop down. In other words, the Ritva says it wouldn't make sense that Bisman Hazes, so to speak, we would have to have a coin gadol in all his glory, right? Because the coin gadol is always like wearing the big the kahuna in all his glory. He's, he's the one that has to do the procedure of the paraduma. And yet, when the, you still need a pasuk to teach you that when a regular coin does it, he can't do it in his dungarees. Like, it's just too, it, it doesn't make sense that the, it's like whiplash. It doesn't make sense that the pasuk would have to, would go so far as to say, well, maybe the coin, only he could do the avoid uh, of the paraduma, but we need a pasuk to teach you that uh, you can't do it in a, in a jeans and hoodie. Like, it's just too far apart. That's how the Ritva explains it. The Ritva has to explain something like this because it's not exactly mukhrach here that, that, that it can't be learned that way, but Ritva says it doesn't make sense that it would be learned, be able to be learned any other way. So basically that's, that's the drasha here in the Gemara. And the Gemara answers, so, so, the, so we're left with a question. How, how does this, why do we need this, um, this limud of bechihuno, um, that you have to do the avoda in your big, in your big day kahuna, if you in fact hold that Ladoris is going to be by the coin god of atzmo. So the havamina is it's too far of a drop, but the answer is not necessarily. It says the Gemara, ain milsa de asi bekal bechomer, tarach bechasav la, in. Milsa de asi bekal bechomer, tarach bechasav la kura. But even though really you could have figured it out on your own, here a kalvachomer does not necessarily mean um, the the very sort of like literal right hermeneutic principle of kalvachomer. But basically anything you could have figured out logically, still tarach of lakra. Sometimes the pasuk still will go and say it explicitly, and so it's not necessarily a stira to say that the pasuk said it, even though you may have been able to deduce it or intuit it on your own. Okay, now pasuk test says. Uh, okay. So now, what happens? So in Pasuk Tess, we basically say 
right? He takes the Eifer HaPara, just going through the procedure, right? Uh, once you've burnt it, um, you take the Eifer HaPara and you place it, Michutz Lamachanei Makom Tahor, says the Pasuk, and then it's going to be, It's going to be, right? You're going to keep it, uh, you're going to keep this Eifer, and you're going to put it in the, what's called the main Nidah, basically, which just basically means the water that are purifying. Okay. So it says the Gemara. What's going on here? Ish. Asaf Ish Tahar. Okay. So now, after we've said Kohen like four times, now Ish Tahar, Ish sounds like very nonspecific. Says the Gemara. Ish, Lahachshir Sazar. That means that a regular uh, non Kohen, a Zar, can do that particular Avoda of collecting the earth. Okay. The, the, uh, not the earth, but the ashes of the Paraduma. Okay. Then, Vasaf Ish Tahar. So what is this Tahar? Interesting, Drasha, Lahachshir Esaisha. Wow. Tahar means that a woman can do that procedure of gathering the ashes. Uh, how does that, how does that, uh, teach you? Well, certainly it's redundant. So again, you need to have Drushas here. Any tar, any person that's qualified. So who's like the next most qualified person, uh, that we haven't mentioned yet that can do it? It would be a woman. Okay. Vehiniach. So, and that's a vehiniach. So, each thing we learn something from Mishi Yeshba Dasla Niach. That Vihiniach sounds like a deliberate action, and therefore it is whereas Tahar was to include was inclusive to include women, Hiniach here is to exclude somebody. What? Those who cannot do something deliberately, an intelligent act, which is Yatsu Khirishotovikatan Shain Bain Dasla Niach. They do not have the requisite right intelligence to uh to, to do this uh, process, that has to be a more mindful process. Okay. So now we skip all the way to Pasuk Zion. And in Pasuk Zion, it says, uh, it says like this, that you should take some of those ashes, we'll, let's, we'll read it, because we're going to be mentioning this now in our Gemara. It says, So after having burnt this and had the ashes, And then, right, you, you do what? You, you mix it, and then, right, when a son love, you take the person who's tame, and you pour the concoction. So first you mix the Kool-Aid, so to speak, right? You mix the powder, or the crystal light, if you will, Barry. You mix the powder with the water, right? And then you make it into a concoction, and then you, when a son love, you put it on him. Okay, so who could do this? Let's see. It's not awesome. We learned over there, as we mentioned, there is a Masechus called Para. So we learned in Mishnah and Para, Hakol Kshem Lekadesh, right? Lekadesh is to mix it. Here it means to make this mixture of the ashes with the water. Everyone could do it. Chutz Micherish Shotavakatan. Micherish Shotavakatan cannot do the mixing. Okay. Rabbi Yehuda, Machshir Bekatan, Ufosel Beisha Ubeandrogenes. Right? And, and Rabbi Yehuda, says that a cotton actually, right, so where is the Tanakhama says that cotton cannot do it and, and implies that women can. Rabbi Yehuda says that a cotton can and a woman cannot uh, or an androgynous, right? You have to be, only males can do it according to Rabbi Yehuda, but, uh, but children, uh, in other words, it has to be male. Children can also do it, but males can do it according to Rabbi Yehuda, whereas according to the Tanakhama, Right, females could do it. Cheresh and cannot. 
So what's the machlokas? So the Gemara is going to discuss, discuss it. My time at the Rabbanon. Why would the Rabbanon say in the Tanakhama, why would they allow women and why would they only exclude those who are not bardas? Well, because it says, <laughs> Excuse me, you should take for the tame some of the Sreifas Achatat. Hanach de Paslilach be Asifa, Paslilach be Kiddish. Hanach de Ashrilach be Asifa, Achsharilach be Kiddish. So, says the Gemara, the uh, Kiddish, which we already said is the mixing of the, of the ashes with the liquid, that procedure can be done, right? Velakhu me Afar Sreifas Achatas. That is equating, right, those who can gather the earth with the, or the ashes rather, with those who can mix it. As we just said, Asifa, nobody disagrees that a woman could do, right? Because we already said, it, we, there was nobody to argue, right, that Tahor was the Hachshir Asaisha. We just said that. So gathering the ashes was something that everybody holds women could do. So the Rabbanan saying, just like the women could gather the ashes, they could also mix the Kool Aid, right? They can make the concoction, okay? And that, we said beferish is lahachshir asaisha and lahotzi right cherish shotevekaton. So basically, the rabbanon shita is easy to understand. Those who can hey, whatever whoever we said by the gathering of the ashes, that's what we're going to say by who can make mix it as well. Okay, so then what's Rabbi Huda doing here? What, what's his motivation? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Huda imkain lema karvelakach. So Rabbi Huda is going to say like this. Well, if that's really what the Torah meant to say, that whoever is qualified to, right, bring the ashes over, right, and is, is also qualified, right, to make the, uh, drink, right, so then the Pasuk would have said, Vilakach. So now you have to look at the Pasuk carefully. Pasuk, right, Bamidbar Yates, Pasuk Yedzain. It says an interesting thing, which we're gonna have to delve into a little bit. Here's the Lashon. It says, Vilakhu. Plurals, some plural people are kelly. So first of all, we see why why one why the abundant would say that it's the same whoever is doing velakhu is also venasan because it's ve ve ve. It's the same people. Velakhu, uh, those who take it, venasan are those who mix it. Okay. However, what Behuda is pointing out is it sounds like it's not the same person, even though it says velakhu venasan. If it had been the same person, it would have said, Velakach venasan. That would make sense. The fact that it uses different conjugation, Velakchu in the plural, and venasan in the singular, sounds like it's in fact, Bedavka, not the same person. And so therefore, he goes in the exact opposite way, and says, those who you think are kosher for the, the, the Velakchu, namely the women, um, are in fact, specifically not kosher for the mixing. That's Gufa, the, uh, the, the, uh, source. So that, of course, which is the source for the Rabbanon, for the Shita, is the source for Rabbi Huda to go against it. So let's read it inside. Rabbi Huda, imkein lema kra velakach mai velakhu. Why does the Pasuk say, therefore, velakhu? Dafilu katan defasilachasam hacha kasher. To teach you that the, the, the lakhu portion is different, has a different halacha than the Venasan portion, which is namely that a katan, which is possible for the taking of the ashes, is in fact hacha kosher here. He's going to be kosher for the mixing of the drink. Um, so isha minale, and how do you know that that it's in fact the woman that you're excluding? It says, because it says Rebuda, very simply, Venasan, 
Vinasan, Nasan is a boy's name. Nasan is a singular male conjugation. Uh, it doesn't say Vinasna. And therefore, it's excluding women. And that's how the Vilakachu and the Nasan are different. So what are Rabbanon going to do this? This is actually a good point for Rabbi Yehuda. So it says, Rabbanon says the Gemara, the Rabbanon are saying the following, that the, it's true, we hear you, Rabbi Yehuda, we see you. You're saying, you're saying it's two different things. But the Rabbanon have a totally different reason. In other words, is in fact, according to the Rabbanon, trying to refer to the same individual with the same parameters, but it says for a different reason. What is it? Because if you had said Velakach Vanasan, which would have indicated that it's the same right parameters for both procedures, you would have had a problem. Why? I would have said that it's only valid if one person uh, takes the ashes and then puts them into right into the water and does the mixture, right? Because Velakach Vanasan is not only right implying who can do it, but it's so close together in that one Pasuk that you get the impression that it has to be done by the same individual. Ah. The reason why the Rechmana said Velakhu, again, is not to teach you that they have different parameters of who could do it, but rather to create a, to, to, to give, to um, illustrate or to demonstrate that it doesn't have to be the same individual, that really this, these two different procedures can be done by two different people. Um, and in fact, that the, even the, that first procedure of taking these ashes can be done by two people. Okay. So then, says the Gemara, maybe you could have said and done both of those aspects of the Pasuk in the plural. So says the Gemara, I would have said it's only valid if two people that, in other words, it's deliberately saying it in the plural. I would have gotten the misimpression Right, that you dafka need two people for each of these avodos. That's why basically the pasuk needed right one pasuk in the plural to teach you that it has to be that it can be done by two people, but the other pasuk in the singular to teach you that it also can be done by one person if you can. So, so some days you can have one person, like like here, like by us by the by the shear. Sometimes you can have one person. Sometimes you have two people. Both ways are okay. Right? Okay? Because Velakhu Venasan. Okay. It's not really okay both ways. I'm just trying to make it relatable. Anyway. Da'afilu shakle trei chad. That it's even valid when two take, right? When, when two people are doing one of the avoda and one person, uh, does the mixing of the water. Right? That, that's, that's literally why we're doing the singular and the plural. But again, um, that's why the abundance say it changes up plurals to singular. Not like Rabbi Yehuda said to teach you that the in fact that the parameters of who can do it are different. The Rabbanon would still maintain that it would be the same parameters um, for the likicha and the nesina, as it were, of the ashes of the paraduma, namely including women and excluding cherish shota v'katan. Fine. So now we're up to pasuk yitches. Okay, how are how, how is this machlokus of the Rabbanon? And Rabbi Yehuda, we just described, going to reflect in Pasuk Yitches. So we look at Pasuk Yitches, and it says, Okay, so now a man, right, that man whose tahor is going to take, now he's taking the hyssop, and he's dipping it. He's dipping it in these in this uh, Kool-Aid that we made, this uh, para aduma. Okay, so he says, According to the Rabbanon, 
So here, why does it say What's this ish doing here? We already said that women could do it. So Barbanan is very good. It says ish velo isha. Okay, and then tahor lahachshir sakata. Right. So whereas beforehand the Rabbanan held right that the mixing and the bringing over can be done by women, but not by a cher uh, shot of a katan. Here, ish sounds explicitly like it's excluding women from the dipping the from the dipping procedure. Okay, once you've made the concoction, and since it's excluding women explicitly by saying ish, so then th- what previously we understood to me to be um, inclusive, the uh, the term tahor. Is lahachshir esakatan. So therefore, he, there he has to go kind of like Rabbi Yehuda, so to speak, to include katan, katan, right? The, the irony within Rabbi Yehuda is that the tahor in the beginning, in the earlier pasuk, is going to include women, and now we're forced to say that the second tahor is to include a katan, right? Um, because of the fact that ish explicitly excludes women. So you'll say, oh, maybe that's a steer with the rabbanon. So the truth is, not necessarily. In other words. Again, the drushas are what they are, right? We have mesorahs for these drushas. Tahar doesn't explicitly mean katan or women. In fact, as we see, it can mean one or the other, depending on the context. Uh, but certainly tahar, uh, but, but you can still understand the rabbanon, right? Because certainly tahar in a vacuum, uh, why would tahar mean a katan, right? Tahar would mean the next adult, which is women, right? And the next pure adult, which is a, which is a woman. Um, fine. Um, but, but the, but here it has to be a katan because we explicitly, um, excluded it by saying ish. Okay, fine. So then what's Rabbi Yehuda gonna say ish? Rabbi Yehuda doesn't need ish. Right? Because Rabbi Yehuda already said that ish, right, uh, is, that, 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 uh, only ish can do, uh, that, that procedure. So it says Rabbi Yehuda ish velo katan. So the ish there is like a man as opposed to a boy. And tar lahachshiyasa isha. So you have this ironic, right? Uh, so now we've just doubled down on the irony of the, of the paraduma. We said that it's metahar taharim and metame taher, uh, and metame taharim and metame, metame taharim and metahar tameim, right? And here we have portions of the, of the procedure, namely the mixing and the bringing over the offer, which you'll say, according to the Rabbanon, can only be done by men, by, can be done, all of it can be done obviously by an adult male, but according to the Rabbanon, it can also, that portion can be done by a female, but the next portion of dipping has to be done by a child, meaning it can be done by a male, but it can't be done by a woman, it can be done by a child, and conversely, Rabbi Yehuda is going to say that of course an adult male could do both the mixing and the, and, and the dipping, but in the absence of an adult male, the first part can't be done by a woman, it has to be done by a child, and the second part, can't be done by a child, it has to be done by a woman. So just this incredible contradiction within a contradiction, that's why it's chukah sapara, guys. This is why it's a chukah. You're not gonna find, uh, you're not gonna find rationale for it, it's a chok. It's definitely a chok. Um, and so now you know, even on a deeper level, that the chok involves contradictions within it, so to speak, where one could do one part and not the other, and the second part could be done by the other and not the original, right? And that's the machlokas of Rabbanon and the, and Rabbi Yehuda as to how to learn those. Fine. So now we have a problem, however, with Rabbi Yehuda's view. So again, what was Rabbi Yehuda's view? He said that the dipping 
can, uh, cannot be done with a katan, right? Tahar isha, but can be done with a woman, right? So says the Gemara, Mesve. Well, let's go back and see if Rehuda fits the Mishnayas and Masechas Para. Hakol Ksherin Lahazos, right? Lahaza here, right? This is the spritzing. Ironically, Rabbi Yehuda, who didn't let the women mix, he let them spritz. So he says, Hakol Ksherin Lahazos, Chutz Mitumtum Vadrogonis Veisha. Well, that sounds explicitly against Rabbi Yehuda, because the, the mission in Para itself says explicitly that the women can't spritz. Vekatan Sheish Bodas, Isha Misayaso Mazet. And the Katan. So this is an, to add insult to injury here. A katan can do it, which is again, it's all within shita. It sounds like rabbanon straight up. Uh, the problem with the katan is he has no das. How are you how are you going to let him have the? How are you going to let him spritz the hazah? So he said he can have the supervision, right, of a woman, uh, and and therefore if the woman watches over him, then he can do the hazah. But imagine this mishnah and para. A woman herself has to supervise a male katan, and that's okay. But the woman herself can't do it, right? In other words, if the, if the child, if the male child does the hazah with the supervision of a woman, he's kosher because he has adult supervision to do so, uh, which, quali- which qualifies as having enough das for this purpose. Whereas the woman herself, even though she's qualified to supervise the male katan, she herself can't do the hazah. Okay. Again, this is within the psukim. What? How do you explain that? It's, it's a chok. It's inexplicable. Other than to say, right, that it fits within the drushas, right? The drusha said specifically ish. So if you hold that ish means male, so then you have no way out of it, right? Ish to say, this is, this is the drusha of the Rabbanon. Ish is to say that it has to be done by a male. And then, right, tahor is to extend it even to male children. That's how the Rabbanon, so, so this is how the Rabbanon learned it. This is beferish, this Mishnah and Parah is beferish shitas Rabbanon. But again, it's drushas, even though you'll say, well, that's ironic, as we brought out. If Isha only applies to male yeah. and excludes the Isha, so then why is it an advantage for Omedis al-Gabba? Right, so, so, so again, so, so Barry's asking very well, he says if Ish is to exclude the Isha, so then why does it help to have the Isha? He's bringing out the irony of this chok that a woman can supervise and it would help, but she can't do it herself. But again, the answer is within the drusha. The drusha says ish, which means a male, okay? Uh, 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 right? However, however, it has to be a bardas, right? The, uh, when, it says, right when it says tar, it means it has to be a bardas. So it has to be male, but you need to have some supervision which has das. Again, my answer is going to not be as good as your kasha, but that's the irony, that you need to have somehow a way of saying that it can be true that as long as a male child does it, it's okay, but you're lacking the das. So how could that be? You need to have the das. Nisina, as we, as we already said, by definition, is something that has to be deliberate and mindful. So he says, okay, it must be that it can be done with supervision of anybody who's a bardas. That bardas doesn't necessarily need to be a male um, because the, as long as the procedure itself is done by a male, the action has to be done by a male, the thought and supervision can be done by a female as long as she, and has to be done by a bardas. But the kasha is better than the teretz. Anyway, what's, what's shocking as we turn to Gimel and Bez, according to the Gemara, What's shocking to the Gemara is that we quoted this entire Mishnah 
and it sounds straight up like Rabbanon, and yet, Velo Palik Rabbi Yehuda, first words of him give him a base. Rabbi Yehuda doesn't say boo. He's not arguing on this. How could that be? This is Befeirish Rabbanon. And so, why is Rabbi Yehuda not saying anything in the Mishnah and Para? So, Amar Abaye, so Abaye is going to try to answer it. What's going on here? This sounds like a lot of words. So like this. In other words, we all agree that both Rabbanon and Rabbi use what we call mashma moitzi miyad mashma. In other words, this is the Ritva explaining. Uh, it sounds confusing, but we'll say the Ritva lays it out for you. Mashma moitzi miyad mashma means the following. Reverse, what I call the reverse implication Technique. The reverse in, implication technique means that you you say ish, and that implies not females, right? That implies not woman. Or you say ish, and it implies uh, that it has to be an adult, not a child. That's reverse implication, right? By saying ish, it implies not the other. That's called mashma mosimiyad mashma. And then umashma memela. And then it says the second part of the Pasuk, where, right, where it says, Tahar, it has to be, oh, inclusive. So, Mashma, Mashma, Mashma just means that it's exclusive, right, that you learn a reverse implication, and Mashma Mimela means that it's inclusive, which means that it's, right, that, that it's actually taking the implication and expanding it. So what's Abaya saying? According to the Ritva, Abaya is saying the following, that everybody agrees that the Ish is exclusive, and that the Nasan is inclusive, Everybody agrees that that's how you read the Pasuk. It's just that if you saw, the Rabban and Rabbi Yehuda argued about what it excludes and then what it includes. But they agreed fundamentally to how you read the Pasuk in terms of, right, in terms of the technique, right, the, the, what, how you read the implications. So the Ritva is explaining that what the Gemara means was that since, right, that, that, the, that since Rabbi Yehuda disagrees, right, has to be that, um, in other words, we're forced to say, according to Abaye, that Rabbi Yehuda does disagree because it's impossible that he would agree because the only way that he would agree would be if he le- learned the first Pasuk of Ish to be inclusive and the second Pasuk to be exclusive. But that he didn't say. He used the same logic as the Rabbana and just came to a different conclusion. Once you use the same logic... Then, and you come to a different, then, then one, and you've already on record as having used the same logic, but coming to a different conclusion, then you no longer, we no longer could say that you could agree, right? In other words, it's like bedrock. If, 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 if Barry and Andrew disagree, as they often do, right? So if I could reason with, with, uh, I usually try to reason with Barry, he's more, you know, he's, he's more, um, uh, flexible. So I'll go to Barry and I'll try to reason with him. If I can get Barry to think the way Andrew thinks, then they'll agree, right? Because then, then I'll just get him to think along the same long line of logic. But the Rabban and Rabbi Yudah have already demonstrated, says the Ritva, that they're thinking along the same lines, but arriving at different conclusions. Says the Ritva, if you have that, it's almost a Gerano, it's Muslim, almost. If you have that, so then we know that they must disagree. And so what the Gemara is actually saying is that, yes, Einachinami, the Shittas Rabbi Yudah is not mentioned in the, in the Mishnah and Para, but but rest assured, they disagree. They just has just was left out. Their dis, their obvious disagreement was simply left out. But but don't you fret, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with that uh, Mishnah and Para. It's yeah, it's a stira. It's a stira that he's not mentioning it. But uh, but but he does in fact disagree. Okay, finishing up, pasuk yates vehiza tar al tamei. The tar shall sprinkle on the tamei. Tar miklashu tamei. Right, the fact 
that, right? What do you mean? He's a hatar al tameh. This means to imply that he was tameh. In other words, he's a hatar, right? A regular guy, we assume he walks in, we assume that he's tar. Why is why are you uh, emphasizing this tar? It must be he was tameh at one point. What does it teach you? We already learned this recently and also earlier in Masachas Pesachim, this amazing anti-Tzduki uh, lesson. <laughs> As you might recall, we said that Tzvul uh, Yom, uh, right, that already dunked but still did not have hair of Shemesh, can in fact, that coin can in fact, he's kosher, even though he can't eat... Uh, I think truma or do certain avodas, as we discussed when we we're doing all the tuma sugyas. We need common here uh, to, to to remind you each level of, of truma and what they could do. But the tvul yom can, in fact, do the shechita of the of the para um, and and the the entire ceremony of the para. And as we mentioned, then we did it on purpose because it's Dukim said he couldn't do it, so we purposely were were to, were metame and besheretz in order to show. Uh, right after, mind you, after quarantining him for seven days, as we do the Kohen Gadol in preparation for Yom Kippur, we purposely make him Tomei in order so that he could do the Avodah Dafka Zetzvul Yom to, uh, to stick it to the Tzedukim. Okay. So now, uh, this is what we said that everyone said that Ula, Ula's observations were, uh, were glat. Amar, it says, Amar Rabbi Asi, Kiabobi Rabbi Yochanan Mishlakesh Bepara. When Rabbi Yochanan Mishlakish learned this sugya in yeshiva, as we are learning it now, the whole sugya of the Paraduma, lo maskimina ella kemai demasik taylamim bei rava. They they were able to bring up only what a fox bring up from the plowed field, which is nothing. Fox tries to look for berries or whatever he's looking for in the plow, in the field, but it's already plowed. There's nothing there. He's looking for for wheat kernels. No. Ella amrei mashma motzimiyad mashma mashma mimela. In other words, they couldn't think of another way of explaining this other than to say, as we said before, what I call reverse implication and implication, right? The exclusive and then the inclusive. This is the only way to learn it. And beautiful idea of like a fox, right? They're searching, searching, searching. But as Rashi says, right? As, as, a, as a fox trying to look, this, is the only, this was the best way they could do it. They turned it upside down and on its head. They could only learn it the way Ula did it, Yeshakach, um, that, that he was able to, to, to really, really crunch the sugya, as Rabbi Safar would say. So now, Tani Katana Kameda Rabbi Yochanan. So finishing the discussion, can Azar do Shech the Paraduma? So they said in front of Rabbi Yochanan, Kola Shechitos Ksheres Bizar Chutz Michel Para. They said this price to him that every Every shechita can be done by a zar, but the shechita of the par has to be done by a kohen. So I'm like Rabbi Yochanan, puk levara. Get that shvara out of here. I don't want that the base measure. In other words, he holds that even the ceremony of the shechita of the par can be done by a zar. Because he says, Loma tzinu shechita bezar psula. Every shechita can be done by a zar. So the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan is not only, when he rejects that, out of, throws that out of the base measure, he's not only rejecting the Brisa, El Afilu Rabbe Lotzayas. He's even rejecting the view, the view of his own Rebbe. The Amar Rebbe Yochanan Mishim Biv Shimon Riyotzadak is Rebbe. Shchitas Par Bazar Psula. He said that Shchita Par Bazar is in fact Puzzle. That was the quote of his Rebbe. Vani Oimer said Rebbe Yochanan Kishera Lo Matzinu Shchita Shepsula Bazar. Rabbi Yochanan said that it is in fact kosher to shecht the para aduma because there is no scenario of a shechita that's pasul bazar. You may ask, well, the shechita of the the coin gadol on Yom Kippur has to be done by a coin gadol. That's different, but that's not alts shechita. That's alts avodas Yom Kippurim. 
I, I think. I think that's the answer. And then two dots, six lines up from the Mishnah. We'll, uh, get to the Mishnah and pick up from the Mishnah tomorrow. Um, a good place to pick up, although I thought we'd pick up at the end of the Mishnah. Balo Eitz Parashnia. So you have, you come, the coin Gadol then comes to his, to this, uh, bull a second time. We're back, we're back in Yom Kippur, guys. We're back in it, and he does the smicha, and he starts saying that the, right, the vidui. The Gemara asks, So if you look closely at the vidui, he's first doing a vidui, aniu vesi, right, on himself. And then he does vidui on Klal Yisrael. So why would he not only do, leave out Klal Yisrael on the first one, not the second? So Tani Devei Rishmael, Kachi Midas Adin Nosenes. This is a smart thing to do for Din. Why? In other words, he's cleansing himself first. If he was, and then when he, and then he asks for Mechila for Klal Yisrael. If he came and he, and, and in the first Vidoy, he was also asking Mechila for Klal Yisrael, then he's asking for Mechila for Klal Yisrael as a Tomei person himself, as a Chayiv person, right? It's better once you're asking for Mechila for Klal Yisrael to ask as a Tohar person. And so we'll pick up here with the Mishnah. Hopefully we'll get up here a Shliach Tzibur that is, uh, that is going to be Mezakeos and Mezakeos all our Tfilos and may all our Tfilos be fulfilled.